0: Welcome to Beyond the Fail, the podcast where we talk to leaders and entrepreneurs about their biggest business failures. We'll deep dive into how they overcame these setbacks, the lessons they learned from them, all to help you gain valuable insights. Failure is an essential part of the business journey, as well as being the key to success. So we're here to show you how to thrive from it. In this episode, we're joined by Shaz Ahmed, business owner and experienced property finance specialist. He has a fantastic reputation in the property world and brings this all together in his podcast, Where's Shaz? Today, we'll be talking about, for the first time, his steep learning curve about launching a new restaurant and becoming a mortgage broker at the same time during COVID and the toll that took on him. This is Beyond the Fail with Shaz Ahmed hi shaz how are you doing thanks so much for being here Um really excited to have you on um we were obviously talking uh, offline about your um podcast and how how well it's doing so um yeah great to have you on on mine how are you today
1: shaz thanks for having me it was, it was a pleasure to get your your dm uh, the other week saying you know I'd like to have me on
0: you know really well known in in the property world but how did you kind of get started in business
1: so i've to be fair, during my kind of employed life, uh, I've always been working for corporate big banks like Barclays and Lloyds and those kind of big names. Um, I was always, always had little side hustles like graphic design side hustle or just creative things. However, in terms of the actual business that we're going to talk about today, um, we got made redundant from Barclays. or so they were going to make it redundant and they were going to give us six months garden leave. Um, annoyingly, they were going to move the jobs to Liverpool, so not even offshore, just in the country, just somewhere else into Liverpool. But they gave us six months' garden leave. And I remember at the time, everyone who was working there was really panicked, which I understand. But it was like, guys, first of all, you've been, you know, a lot of you have been there 10, 15 years, so you're going to get a massive payout anyway, so chill out. Uh, and secondly, you know, you're all qualified because to be a mortgage advisor, you have to be. So you'll find a job fairly easily, just relax. So I actually wasn't that worried. Uh, There was a government scheme called REACT, where they fund kind of learning courses. So I did CML, which is Council of uh, Marketing, did some courses. But what actually happened was my, my cousin, he's got, how many now? He's got, I think, seven or eight different takeaways and little restaurants down in South Wales. So that's his business. That's his line of work. And that's what he does. And... I'm always, again, I'm a creative person. I'm an ideas person. So I've always given them little, little ideas. Hey, there's a gap in the market for this. Or, hey, let me do your shop signage. Let me do your menu. Just little things to chip in, just talking out. But I, I was like, hey, listen, as I was, hey, listen, there's a cafe in the market here in Newport where we are in South Wales. You know, in South Wales in general, there's no real halal burger restaurants, gourmet burgers. Even without the halal, there's just no gourmet burger restaurants. I'm like, I'm, I'm the target market. I always travel to Birmingham, London, even Manchester sometimes. Just get some food. There's definitely a gap in the market. And he was like, okay, fine. I hear you. You know, I got to trust you. Let's do some research. But he said, because you're not doing anything, you're not working right now. I'm only going to do this if you go in with me and you actually be a partner in the business. And at the time, of course, I was doing nothing. I was going to get a job at some point, but really I was like, yeah, fine. That makes complete sense. I'll be the working partner. So it was me, my cousin, and his business partner. We went in straight thirds. There was no paperwork. It was just a gentleman's agreement. And for about months, we went up and down London, Birmingham, Manchester, tasting all these different burgers, different sauces, different recipes, trying to kind of perfect our own. Sounds tough. Um, It well. It was it was fun and games. Um, Again, like I say, I was. I mean, it was definitely my baby, kind of the, the name, the graphics, the menus, the interior design, all of that was my thing. But that's how that started uh, in terms of that sort of redundancy and then kind of getting coaxed into it with my cousin. It's
0: interesting that it started with a setback as well and kind of fought, you know, forced you into it. Do you think you would have done it if you hadn't been made redundant?
1: I think I would have given the idea away, which is fine. I don't mind doing that. But I probably wouldn't have been involved as an actual business partner had I not been made with them that, because I had just that time mm. in my hands at the time.
0: And and you said um, you know you had various kind of side hustles have you always been kind of like quite entrepreneurial and, and if so wh- where has that kind of come from?
1: Good question uh, and so I'm gonna say yes and no I've always I think to keep myself entertained in corporate jobs I always do these little side tasks or side quests, you know, little subplots within that just to keep myself entertained because I've always a top performer, you know, I can do, I can do sales very easily. I'm good at sales, good at marketing, and that's been the jobs I'm doing. I find that easy. So you often find in these call centers or corporate offices, you'll always see it hitting like a glass ceiling, an invisible ceiling of where you can get. And unless someone dies, you're not going to get promoted mm. above that, Right. But what they do in these places is they'll give you sideways movement. They'll say, you know what? We'll give you a secondment to this role for six months. We'll give you a team to manage for six months. Are you going to get paid any extra? No, of course not. It's a secondment. So I was doing these little subtasks and sub things just to keep myself busy. Um, and the graphic design side, because people were then asking me, we well, were working at Aishaz, we're setting up a little business because you are local. I was like, yeah, Philo, you know, are you going to pay me? Okay, yes. So that would suddenly became a little business. Um... But yeah, I've, I've always been... Did you have a design background of social? Yeah, so in university, I studied media production and media studies. So that, I guess, gave me the foundations of the tools, the techniques, video editing, radio design and graphic design as well.
0: Right, right. So nothing to do with finance then?
1: Nothing to do with finance, no. So no, nothing to do with finance at all. I think, again, kind of fell into that. I've, I've always been falling into these things. Um, so I was working hard, never really been working smart up until recently when things were going really well. Um, but yeah, with finance, that was I was working for Lloyd, just customer service in a call center. Then the opportunity came to work for Barclays where they would pay for your CMA qualification, which I think is a pretty good deal to be honest. And that's how I started being a mortgage advisor. But then the journey to become a mortgage broker, working with investors and developers, that again was because of the redundancy and so on.
0: Got you. So, I mean, it's interesting, as I say, that, you know, you had all these kind of side hustles. Did any of those kind of go sort of further? And if if so, did you, um, you know, was there any ever any sort of like doubts about doing them?
1: So I think I've fallen into the trap. I've been very guilty in the past, uh, especially when I've had a job of just getting very, very comfortable uh, with a mundane reality. You know, go to work at nine, finish at five, do a bit extra to help people out, and that's it. So yeah, I think I'd, I'd definitely, I definitely wouldn't say i wasted my youth, but there's been times where had I put that time and effort into something different and a bit more, take a bit more risk. That may have worked out better for you.
0: Right. Is is that a, a bit, so would you say that's a regret?
1: No, no, definitely not. Um, It's just cliche answer, but never regret anything i think it's just taking learnings from these things um and you know what you can change your life in a year you can change your life in six months it's just how you apply yourself to that.
0: and you said about um you know complacency and how some of that drove you to um i suppose pushing yourself you know you getting comfortable in some of these jobs is it was that the main motivator or I mean you mentioned obviously it sounds like you're very creative as well so what what is the main kind of drivers to all these side hustles
1: yeah great question so I think you know doing all these side things and being creative one is definitely to keep myself motivated because I I remember back in a call center days if the job was just spending nine hours on the phone whilst I could do it on autopilot it's just not very fulfilling so I needed something to do extra just to keep it keep myself ticking over Uh, in terms of you know setting up the finance brokerage my kind of big aim really in life or one of my beliefs is uh, you know we are here to serve people and to help people so if I can help people why not you know Um, and that means helping clients investors developers landlords but also helping other brokers who need a bit of help helping other business owners you know that knowledge is free essentially but if you can give someone the tips and tricks Helping someone else eat isn't gonna make you go hungry, you know. So that—that's the overall, I guess, vision that I've got.
0: And is that why you said that earlier? You said you might be happy to kind of give the burger restaurant idea away because, um, you—you know—you're always looking to kind of help people. Obviously, you know, it was your, you know, your your kind of family as well.
1: Absolutely. Literally, I would not think twice about it, and I would never then, even if I did give it away, I would never then ever think. Oh, that was my idea. You know, I've, I've designed menus and shop fronts for, for people like family, friends or friends of friends. And it's never been me then feeling kind of funny about it. That hang on. That's my idea. That's my logo. That's my brand. If anything, there's a sense of pride there. hang on. That's a Shaz design. Well, that's something I've created for someone else. Yeah. So I think abundance is the word, right?
0: hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, the, the abundance mindset is something I've, you know, been really into. Uh, as a concept over the last few years i think uh and i you know you, you you do see it the more you kind of you kind of think about it and talk to people you, you know you understand whether they've got an abundance mindset or a scarcity mindset and obviously you were going to business with your you know part of your family what was the um the reaction of the, you know the wider family to that
1: I think everyone was definitely encouraging because they know or they knew that she had the experience. he has got the track record. They knew that I'd put in the graft. But I think it was definitely a very short-sighted decision because, as I said, I was at some point going to get another job or another career. That was never going to be, or my intention was never to, that was going to be my full-time thing. Um, in my head, you know, I was thinking, yeah, this what you do with these businesses is you set the business up within six months to a year you can then let staff from the business and just sit in the office and you go on youtube all day but that's not really how it played out um so yeah everyone was very happy very positive we had a good reaction kind of locally as well but i think it definitely wasn't any kind of long-term planning with that
0: and what do your um kind of family have they always been quite supportive of your Whatever you've kind of done in your career and all of those kind of side hustles, and I suppose, I suppose, pivots and, and moves you've made?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, the the, the one example I always go back to is the, when you have to make your choices for university. And of course, you know, I'm a good Asian boy, so I'll go to my mum and say, Mum, this is this is what I've got to do. I'm going to do media studies. I don't think she knew what that was. Um, and, I, and I know that she was hoping I would do, you know, the law. Accountancy, something in that in that industry. However, you know, all she said was, "Look, is this going to make you happy? Yes, it is. Do you think it's going to lead to a decent career afterwards? Yeah, probably. Okay, great, carry on." So, my parents have always been supportive in the sense of, as long as you're going to be happy doing whatever you're going to be doing, it's not harming anyone, it's not illegal, it's not criminal, then yeah, happy days.
0: And obviously, the irony of that is is that then you went on to a corporate career in finance as well. So. Um... <laughs> Um, or at least working in a finance industry so you know maybe maybe that was part of a a, a kind of plan Um, I mean that sounds like an amazing um, kind of you know space to 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 kind of grow up and obviously you know that support is um, you know is so crucial uh, especially at that kind of young age so when you went into business with um, you know and started this endeavor with your um, your family was there any did you have any doubts any kind of fears or any kind of you know concerns
1: yes and no i think that you know first of all as i mentioned uh earlier there was no written contract there was no written roles we were we were kind of freestyling it um, and i asked to ask these guys a few times Like, guys do you want to put something in writing they're like no we've got so many other businesses no one else asks us for this this is just how we do it said, okay that's absolutely fine if that's how you do it I'm not gonna rock the boat Um, you know we clashed a few times when it came to the design or certain elements you know within that but these are just things and I think we are we are we were mature enough to know it's just business whatever happens in those conversations stays there doesn't affect our kind of interpersonal relationships but there were never any doubts Um, I was confident this idea was going to work you know we had a good response like say locally in in the local press and so on there was definitely a gap and I was keen just to get started. I think the intricacies, the intricacies of the business, I was hoping I could just leave those to the guys who do that business. I was going to be the working partner. I was going to be there every day, you know, overseeing the staff, as I say, and, and hopefully eventually just chilling in the office. But as you say, it didn't pan out that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I should tell it. It's not that easy. So you were essentially, what, you were going to be, what, frontline kind of like manager of that restaurant. Is that the plan?
1: I was going to be the working partner. Yes, absolutely. So what they do is their model, as I've discovered, um, is their model is whenever they set up right. a new takeaway or restaurant, they'll always go in with a third business partner. Nine. That business partner puts money in, but also then is you know, working there day in, day out. The logic behind that is because that person is financially invested, they will work a lot harder then to make that business work. Makes complete sense.
0: Uh, yeah, which which, which, a which best, makes uh, a lot of sense
1: perhaps i wasn't ready for
0: that yeah okay great so many so many uh so many questions and you you obviously hadn't had any experience about running running a restaurant right or working in hospitality is that is that correct
1: absolutely the closest i've ever come was uh when we were younger pre up till high school Uh, my dad used to own and run a corner shop we used to live upstairs so of course i've been in that retail environment but not hospitality at all
0: so what gave you the confidence to basically just go all in in a partnership where you would be running the the day-to-day operations of something you'd never know in?
1: because the way i looked at it was what is the worst that could happen so the worst that could happen is you know we get no customers or very little customers we lose our investment we have to give the business back and that's about it you know we go again um so yeah the the kind of the the worst case scenario wasn't that worst case at so all for me anyway
0: so there was no i suppose in some because obviously you just described what a lot of people would say is is a is a fear of of failure that worst case scenario is essentially the business not working and it kind of completely um kind of failing but you didn't have any kind of fear that firstly i suppose that would happen but secondly the, the, the stigma around actually the business not working and that idea not working
1: again no I think you know again my worst case is and this applies now in the business summit now if it all goes to zero thankfully you know thank god I could just go back and live with my mum for if I needed to and she would be happy to take me mm. you know I know that there are some parents or some some just communities where it's a case of they want to kick you out of out the house when you're 18 or you start paying rent to your parents that's not what happens, uh, in, you know, in our culture. So my worst-case scenario is going back to my parents, me, giving my room back, I can live with them. So, yeah, I was I was comfortable, I was happy, but I had no doubt. So that was never even a, even a thought. It was a case of this is going to work. How quickly can we get started? Um, and like I say, the feedback was good. We started the Instagram page quite early on, built up some of the hype. We had a, a few small number of, like, taster days, you know, building it all up. And touch wood, everything was was giving us the right kind of feedback loops.
0: So talk me through that first few months then when you opened, what kind of success did you sort of see?
1: So it was it was great. It was amazing. You know, we had... So in terms of uh, capacity, I think it was 45 seats. So it's... I was calling it casual dining. So kind of think of like Nando's and KFC in, in that yeah. sense. It's not fast food, particularly, but it's also not a proper restaurant. It's in the middle. And...
0: So it yes, wasn't playable service, basically. It was like Nando's, not not table service. Um,
1: there was, yeah, but you'd have to order at the counter like Nando's for the food gets sent to your table like Nando's. So yeah, Nando style. Yeah. Uh, but for context, in terms of Newport as a city, and this isn't to be derogatory, but just to give it some context, Newport is similar to Slough in the sense of it's a connector city. You okay. drive past it instead of go to Newport, right? However, there is, you know, Newport's very multicultural. Um, there are people doing good things in Newport and there's a lot of investment for you know, it to become a city. But that's the kind of place Newport is. And yeah, we had a lot of feedback. That it's great finding something like this in, in city centre. Food's great. The food, the food being good was never a question, so that was fine. But it, the challenge was to get people together, get dressed, come and sit inside the restaurant because no one wants to come into a place so when you walk past, it's empty, right? Mm. So that was one of the challenges. But again, what happened where we were very fortunate was that when we opened two months after, so initially when you open a new place, it's always busy anyway, that happens. But two months after we opened, it was um, it was Ramadan, which is where Muslims Muslim fast. And then at the end of Ramadan, they feast.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> and um, again, that was great for us because all those people who were feasting had somewhere to go. So we just had a natural boost again of business. But then, uh, you know, COVID hit, and we'll talk about that in, in more detail perhaps. But initially, it was actually fine. You know, I was big on getting local suppliers. So we had like ice cream from a place called Joe's Ice Cream, which was based an hour away down the road. Very expensive, you know, to give you again an example, Wall's Soft Scoop Vanilla. I believe it's like a pound 15 for a litre pot this ice cream joe's vanilla ice cream for a litre was four pound fifty was it worth it probably not right and the you know it cut the margins Mm -hmm. completely but for me in the logic in my head was look if you want to sell someone a milkshake you've got three things you've got chocolate which is the same you've got milk which is the same so the only difference maker is is the ice cream they're going to be using so why not use the best quality ice cream
0: And also, you've got a differentiator from it being local as well. And I presume that was what, you know, you were heavily kind of, like, marketing, I presume, like, that local ethos.
1: Absolutely. And it was was the same, you know, little touches like, for example, the buns that we were using, you know, they were brioche buns, again, they were locally sourced. All these things, though, were killing the top-line margin because we were paying over the odds and, and some of the things, like the buns, couldn't stay fresh for so long. But initially... I was really hard and forceful on the fact that this is what I want to do. This is the vision. This is what I'm going to do. Otherwise, you know, it's just there's no point doing it. So, yeah, initially the response was great. We were kind of getting full houses, you know, most, well, definitely all weekends, sometimes on the weekdays. And it was a place that people wanted to be.
0: So, were you hitting your like revenue targets in those first few months?
1: Now, I'm not going to lie to you because we didn't sit down and actually put anything on paper. You know, who knows what those targets were but okay. we were
0: bigger in the air there's enough
1: rev- yeah yeah but there's enough revenue to pay the staff pay pay ourselves there's a profit that we were reinvest- investing back in so we were doing well and i guess my my barometer was are these guys my business partners are they happy because the the they know they know about this kind of stuff so they're happy if they if not they're going to tell me and they were absolutely happy yeah
0: so you basically got happy business partners you were happy. And you had happy customers, so you were like all boxes ticked.
1: Yeah, but it was a bit aimless, to be honest.
0: <laughs> okay, so I mean that kind of you know leads us nicely into when did it start going wrong?
1: Sure. I mean, I'll I'll be as transparent as I can, and I will say I've never spoken about this on any kind of podcast or anything before because no one really asks
0: these questions. Well, thank you for thank you for being uh, thank you for being here and, and sharing it. I appreciate it. it's not always an easy subject to to talk about
1: especially when there's others involved as well so there was a couple of a couple of key factors Um one was I guess I just did not anticipate how much work being a working partner actually involved you know so the problem came when I started I then started my career as a mortgage broker so I managed to get a job and started that but then what was happening was I'd be in the mortgage office because I was employed at the time then yeah nine till five I'd go home for barely half an hour to an hour and then I'd go to the restaurant Wow, sick wow. till 11. Anyway. Right? I couldn't say no is my business which I've put money into. Yeah. However, from a work-life mental health balance perspective it just wasn't, wasn't great. Eventually that leads to resentment because you think, well hang on, why am I here every day? What are you guys doing? We've put an equal amount of money in. Why, why, why? So there was that, I think and that's a lot of self-work and self kind of um, Conversations to understand that yeah, I was probably not in the best mind myself around them. I actually wasn't great. Um, secondly, again, as a knock-on effect of me getting getting a job as a mortgage broker and actually eventually getting really good at it, towards the end of this whole kind of process, I'd be in the restaurant. We'd be empty, which I'll explain why in, in a second, but we'd be empty. But I'd be sat down on my laptop doing finance deals. And that to mm-hmm. me, when I'm looking back now, was hang on, that how the, the perception the staff must have had who were working there or people walking past seeing this guy on the laptop slouched over just I, I i would never want to do that again Um you know
0: so that wasn't great i've seen that before in managers like doing essentially doing the admin which is you know i've run uh, hospitality businesses before you have to do you know you have to do the paperwork you have to do all the admin behind the, the operation um but you're actually doing something completely different
1: yeah, absolutely. I was just doing a completely different, I was doing another career. I was like I didn't I know I didn't know which one of these was my side hustle anymore. They were both my main <laughs> hustle. I felt like cheating on cheating on, on both of these. Um, but as I say, what really affected the business was COVID and lockdown. So COVID happened, lockdown happened. Pre any of this, I was big to the guys like they were saying, let's start doing deliveries, let's start doing Uber Eats, just eat deliveries because we just need to get more more customers. We've got capacity in the kitchen. We can make this work. And I was like, guys, look, I don't agree with this because I know that once we do this, it'll, people have all just not come into the restaurant they they're so comfortable, why would they want to come in if they can get the food in the house? People are lazy, you know, end of the day. And so, so am I, I did deliveries all the time, but again, it was two against one.
0: Oh, so they were talking about doing deliveries, but during lockdown, not before.
1: No, sorry, that was what we doing before lockdown. No, and I was sorry. again, I was kind of saying no, no, no. Yeah. Even even it was two against one, I was like, yes, no, no, no. But during lockdown, didn't have a choice. Of yes, course, cool.
0: yeah.
1: Now, the thing with deliveries is it's one, you lose the quality of the food. I don't care what anyone says, you yeah. know, buns will get soggy,
0: Yeah.
1: food chips will get dry, the chips will get soggy and steam. The quality goes from a five star to a three star without yeah. without anything else. Secondly you know, you're sending drivers out with maybe two or three, or even more deliveries at a time, on on a planned route. Now, delivery number four, that horse sold on the other end of that on that delivery is not going to get the freshest food. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was eating, eating me inside. Like, why the, the quantity is suffering? What can we do? And what also happened, unfortunately, is deliveries were doing really well, non-stop deliveries, but. It meant the shop inside suddenly became like a wasteland. No one was coming in. We were doing similar numbers. Turnover was a, was pretty much the same, right? Yeah. Turnover was the same, but I remember looking then how much commission has just he taken, how much has taken? Mm. how much has delivery taken. Suddenly, the profit margin was went from that to, to very little because we've given it all away in commission. And then on top of that, you know, if you, are as I said before, if you are Trying to check out a new place, you want to go to a new restaurant, and you walk past it and it's empty. You're less likely to go in because it, it just it's not inviting. So we 100%. lost that attraction, and we lost that another because people just became used to deliveries. And because of Newport being how it is, once the lockdown restrictions were removed, people could travel and go out, the mindset from customers essentially was: like, "If we're going to have to get you know look smart and get dressed and go out." we may as well go to the big city which is Cardiff next to Newport mm. why would you stay in the city so the, a lot of those factors came in in place and it really really affected the trade let's say turnover was fine it was pretty much the same but the margins really just dipped completely
0: and obviously you know that's an unprecedented circumstance as well you know uh, COVID and I think the fact that um, you were even doing great turnover or similar turnover to what you're doing before the pandemic is um you know is fantastic but as you say obviously your 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 margins dropped um so then then what kind of started to happen Obviously, you, you talked earlier about like resentment was that um and sort of that growing resentment of you obviously trying to uh you know juggle two jobs was that at the same time as um you know you were getting hit hard on these margins
1: Yes, exactly. So, you know, if you're making less profit and then you're splitting that three ways equally, you know, and you're putting in, let's say I'm putting in I don't know, 25, 30 hours a week to get very low return, you, you know, mentally, it's it's an issue. I probably could have dealt with these things better at the time, but, you know, it was like, it, it was a case of like, why am I doing this? What's the return? I could actually spend my hours doing something completely different. If I was at work these hours, I could do this, something else and actually make more money. And I'll make a confession. So, the business at the time, um, you know, we had some people working for cash, cash in hand, and some on payslips. As a working partner, you know, you get, we were like, we'll pay me cash in hand. Do you want to know what the hourly rate was that I was getting paid?
0: So, uh, under minimum wage, I'm guessing?
1: It was five pounds an hour.
0: Wow.
1: You know, so... Yeah, when it's your business, it's your baby. You put things into it, and it's going well. You don't mind that. But when it's when it's your baby, you're you know you put the effort, you putting the man hours in. You will think, hang on, I could do taxis, I could do, I could do, I could be a delivery driver, and make more than five times.
0: Yeah, your delivery drivers are being probably paid more. Yeah.
1: Yeah, my my time per hour is a lot more valuable than what I'm getting from here. However, it was one of those where I couldn't just leave the business because. As we agreed, we agreed four months ago that I was going to be the working partner. So why suddenly am I having issues now? You know, those are the questions I was asking
0: myself. So what was the, I suppose the the bit that it all kind of, I suppose imploded, or the, you know, the failure was at the sort of or the setback was at its kind of lowest yeah. point. So
1: again, it, it all culminates and, and comes to a head at a certain point, and I think. For me or within this business was and it's it's all fate and serendipity or whatever they call it it's when where shaz suddenly became a thing because when i was a mortgage broker and i was employed that was nine to five no weekends no evenings happy days i could cope when i then changed and became self-employed as a broker the company i was with, you know we weren't doing facebook ads we weren't doing seo mm. we were networking to get business we were traveling we were meeting clients so i became i Suddenly, didn't have much time at all um, to do anything. It meant I had to be at events. You know, I had to, go to travel to Birmingham, maybe stay over the night, go to London. So I then became, you know, from being a working partner, actively there and actively interested in the business, to a having my mind elsewhere, but also physically not being there anymore. And that became the issue. Um, one of the problems happened because of that. I guess I let my eye come off the ball where. I just wasn't on top of the food hygiene kind of books. So I think it's the same in England. You have to keep a record of all the kind of temperatures in the fridge. Yeah, all this kind of, of, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, again, I just wasn't doing it on top of it regularly on the books. Like, we were doing the checks. I just wasn't logging it. So we had a food safety visit, and they were like, you know, this book's not being filled in. I obviously wasn't there at the time. I was in Birmingham. My cousin calls me. He's like, Shaz, um, the book's like a week, week out of date. I was like, yeah, I think it is because I just haven't updated it, but it's on my Mm. phone. He said, that's no good. You know, the the, the, the officers here, they're going to give us a one star because of this. And I was like, no, it is what it is. You know, (laughs) this is the situation. I can't travel back and burn them now. So we got a one star in hygiene. That only lasted two weeks because I had to come back and just show them the records. So all those things came together and we had to call, essentially, a crisis meeting. And yeah, it was a case of, guys, look, I am no longer kind of interested in putting my time into into this business. I want to exit. You know, I don't really want any financial settlement or anything. You know, we're all just, this is, this is all informal, the things in writing, so I'm happy just to leave. But I don't want to have that responsibility, that pressure, that I need to be here because I can't be. Um, and to be fair, they were, you know, they were trying to stop me. They are like, listen, you know, we need you here. It's going really well. What's gone wrong? What can we change? What can we do differently? And... I think thankfully I was able to put my foot down a little bit and say, "No, look, I am not interested. My time is not going to be spent here, and I want to end it in a good way. Happy to to stay on until you find a way to make this work, but this is kind of your business now, not mine. I need to leave." Um, And you know it was unfortunate because we had won some awards in that period. We were doing, like I said, we were doing well initially, and the brand had been kind of created. To the point where, you know, we could, the way the, the, the place looks and, and is designed, we could franchise it out. It looks decent enough to do that. But my heart just wasn't in it anymore. And it isn't, like I say, fanatic, yeah through this conversation, this is therapy. Yeah, I suppose money was a thing. Because I'm not making any money, why am I interested in it? Um But also I think it's, it's time and effort. You know, I was getting much, much more return on time invested doing the mortgage broking. I was meeting amazing people at these networking events who were into property, into business. You know, why then would I want to spend my evenings washing pots and pans in a burger restaurant that wasn't giving me any satisfaction mentally or financially?
0: Well, um, so much to kind of unpack there. So in that in that meeting that you had with them, which, you know, sounds like a difficult conversation, how did that go down with them? Were they were they, Were they surprised?
1: They they were they were surprisingly surprised because I was like, "Could you not tell? I'm not. I'm just not enjoying this
0: anymore." How much sorry? How much communication were you having on a kind of like weekly basis with them? Given they they were you know the, the partners in it, were they giving you any support?
1: <laughs> no, very valid question. So, again, initially when everyone was in love with the business and was doing well, we were having at least once a week we would do a kind of a cash up. You know, everyone would kind of get their expenses together. Then uh, once it wasn't doing so well, we weren't cash slipped for like a month, two months at a time. Now, one of the problems with that is once you leave things that long, funds will go up and down. There's you know especially when you're doing cash receipts. So that was the problem because then then it was like, hang on, I'm with this much. No, I'm with this much. There's this much difference, not in an accusing kind of way, but in, in a way that make it make sense. And I was like, guys, like, if you're not going if we're not gonna seize you for two months, this is gonna happen. So you need to be coming here more often. So, yeah, we were kind of butting heads in that respect. Um, but, yeah, I was surprised and they were surprised.
0: Because it sounds like you were going for a difficult time, right? You were going for, as you said, you know, you were kind of having to cope with lockdown. That's kind of when, you know, as kind of, I suppose, as business partners and and sort of leaders of that business, it's the time to sort of, like, step up, isn't it, and actually try and um, fight for, for, for it. So was there any of that like amongst you all that sort of saying right we need to do something here like this is you know on its kind of way down
1: um yes so for, for those kind of to be fair they were working together they and maybe I could have trusted them all because they've run all these other businesses they clearly know how to make it work longer term than I have and their model was to kind of keep pushing deliveries increase the prices um you know use slightly cheaper ingredients maybe not See again compromise on policy and those those are just things that I couldn't do. Um and it went against kind of I wouldn't say my values as such, but it was just against the vision of what the business was meant to be. So I understand, you know, lockdown and COVID was something no one thought would, would ever happen. So it was unplanned. But I just couldn't compromise on quality, you know, because the feedback then you get isn't great. I didn't want to be charging people more for something that is costing us the same, you know? and So these are things I just wasn't agreeing with. Um, but yeah, that that was the plan, was to increase the costs, uh, sorry, increase the, the prices, get cheaper and slightly lower quality ingredients and put that as as our product. And I was just like, guys, you know, we, we've called ourselves a gourmet burger restaurant. We can't be doing this and still be called gourmet. You know, I still want that Joe's £4.50 ice cream at Carby Hammond a £1 wall soft scoop
0: so yeah i suppose then there was a bit of split in the i suppose the approach and the, the kind of vision and it's interesting you talked about kind of values did you have any idea about did you have any of those kind of conversations at the beginning um and and as i suppose as a second question did you have any understanding about what their values are and how both of your values aligned if if they did you're asking
1: some solid questions here. This is good. This is good.
0: Well, I mean, so, it's such a key thing, isn't, it? isn't yeah. it, in business partners? And you know, we we've talked about it on on other episodes, actually, about uh, business partnerships and how you know important it is that there is a shared vision and, and a shared um, shared values, because that is when problems occur when when there is misalignment.
1: Yeah, I think I think the vision, to be honest, at, at the, right at the very beginning, was definitely the same. We wanted a quality Gourmet Burger establishment, this, and this is what we're going to do. But I think perhaps what we didn't discuss was if things didn't go to plan or if things you know if had we written down, like you said, our revenue targets, our turnover, profit of our targets, and we said, okay, if this goes below X amount, we can do this. Had that all been put a pen to paper, that then would be us an easier conversation. And if someone deviated from that week or so well, I'm on Shaz, you know four, four months ago, this is what we had um written down. And this is what we're doing because we were free signing it. And I was just there. I essentially became an employee of my own business, mm-hmm. which happens. It's it's, a, it's an easy trap to fall into. But I was just there going through the motions. There was no real vision uh, eventually. And like I say, quality was suffering. We were using cheaper things and it just didn't sit well with me. Uh, but yeah, initially the vision was definitely shared, which didn't, we just did not discuss kind of a contingency if things didn't go well.
0: And how much, I mean, if we're looking back retrospectively, you know, how different would have things been, I and obviously a lot of people, you know, would be asking this question as well, if there wasn't a pandemic, do you think you would still be a partner in that business?
1: I'm going to say no, because for me, it was, it was never a long-term thing. You know, I'm not A restaurateur. I'm an ideas person. I can set you up a restaurant, give you, let's say, the the vision and the visuals and a prototype and template. But actually, being a restaurateur is not my thing. So no, I don't think long term I would have done that. I definitely would have got back into finance, being a broker, being you know, or mortgage advisor. That is up up for debate. But I think where I am now, I probably would have got there eventually. You know, I'm from a sales background. Sales is my skill, and I would have come into that one way or the other um perhaps it would take a bit longer i think had they kept pushing to do deliveries even despite you know aside from the pandemic they probably would have got their own way and i think eventually we would have had the same problem we had
0: right and what happened in the immediate aftermath of that like meeting what did the kind of transition of you leaving that business look like so
1: You know, fair play to the guys. It wasn't uncomfortable. It wasn't awkward at all. It was a case of, look, if this is what you want to do and you've made a decision, then that's absolutely fine. You know, hand us the keys, give us the keys back, give us kind of everything we need to know. Give us the the food hygiene log so we know where you are with it um, and we'll take over. And it it was a funny transition for me because I was like, okay, I'll do this, but I just want to make sure the business is in good hands. So who's going to run it whilst I'm gone? Because I know you're not going to be running it. And they were saying, well, and rightly, they were like, Shaz, that's none of your concern anymore. If you're leaving the business, you're leaving the business. But they weren't saying that to be nasty. I think they were saying it to give me a realistic perspective. But if I'm leaving, I should not care then what's happening with that business anymore. Yeah. So for me, that was a bit difficult because, as I say, it was my baby. It was my thing. But, yeah, the thought out was fine. It was just a case of letting go of it and not having to worry about it. Initially, I wasn't able to quickly just let go
0: and how did that feel for, for you? Was it, you know, after after you did kind of leave it and and had that difficult conversation, what was, yeah, what what was the feelings?
1: It was a great weight off my shoulders. You know, I'm big on, on closure. Like, so if me and you have an argument, but we don't have then a closing or a follow-up, it will nag me to death. But if we have an argument and then we have another follow-up, it's like, guys, you know what, knock me friends, and that's it. That I'm fine because we've had closure. So because that conversation was closure and it was the end, it was a big relief, big way off my shoulders, and I just got so much time back. You know, I wasn't having to work forty-hour days. I don't mind do. I don't mind working hard. You know, like work ethic is not a thing, but you need to be working effective and working smart. And that that period, it was the overlap was about a year, and that year just was tragic because I could be doing so much more.
0: Well, I mean, obviously, I think you're trying to do, run two different businesses and and with two different hats. You know, you, that is doing a lot, right? You're trying to be as productive as you as you can. So, I think you're being a bit hard on yourself there. But what uh, impact did that um, sort of fallout have on your family? So, yeah,
1: my my mom, bless lesser. You know, she's. I obviously ran it past her first. So I was like, Mum, I'm going to have this conversation just letting you know but what what do you think because to be fair if she said to me no showers you're gonna go back and make it work i would have but this is a mom she's my mom right again she was like if you think it's the right thing then you do it we'll just support you just just don't be don't don't be aggressive you know don't be don't be an idiot just be nice about it it's a business it's not personal um and once we had that conversation again i remember i went home i went to my parents house and she was there, worrying, going, "Did you? Did you have the chat? What happened? Are you, are you still talking? Did you have a falling out? Can you not see? I'm so happy and relieved that it's over. I don't have to go there anymore, and it's fine." So she was more concerned that have any of the personal relationships been fractured. Mm. That was her worry, and of course, it hasn't. So she was absolutely fine about it.
0: I mean, it, that, it could have been a lot worse, right? It could have, you know, it could have really um, caused some disruption. Why do you think it didn't? You know why do you think it didn't get acrimonious?
1: Because I don't. I think and and rightly none of us blamed anyone for it not working or what what happened. So I wasn't going in and saying, "Guys, it's this is not going well because you said we should do deliveries and, and you said you you're never here. It's your fault." And they didn't they didn't turn around meet to me and say, "Shaz, we you know we're not making enough money, but you're here every day. What's going wrong?" So it wasn't a blame thing. And I think that's the main thing. We were accountable, you know, we were professional, we were responsible, but we were just clear that it's no one's actual fault. This is what it is. They gave me kind of a chance to not not leave. I do not want to take it. And everyone was happy. So I think not blaming, what was the reason for that?
0: I mean, it sounds like, yeah, you're all very uh, kind of adult, but also, you know, very kind of pragmatic about it. Um... And it's interesting, you, you know, you said that it it felt like a weight off your shoulders. At the time, did it feel like uh, a major setback or a failure? In a way, yes. So,
1: like, I don't like letting people down, and that applies in, in the business I've got today. If i if done a, an application for a mortgage and it gets downvalued or declined or anything, I still think I've let someone down, even though, it's not you know, it's not me. But I still think it is. Yeah. So, in my head i was like i'm letting these these guys down you know they've trusted me they've invested money with me into this business and now i'm suddenly saying i don't want to be in this business i'm a bad person i i can't, I'm not up to this i shouldn't have gotten this in the first place what have i done it's my fault so yeah i had those kind of thoughts of letting them down so you know again kudos to them the way they had that conversation with me was very very pragmatic it was like okay are you sure yes we understand fine so it was never a case of you know you have let us down or you could have done this different i think they understood as well that we've tried everything we can uh and it isn't working and i just don't want to be there anymore you know so
0: and and you said about the you know you 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 just sort of described the self-talk which was essentially like very kind of critical about letting them them down and, and things like that and did Did it kind of have any um, impact on your kind of um, personal life or professional life, you know, for a period of time afterwards? Was it kind of like a bit of a a knock to your kind of confidence or or self-esteem or anything like that?
1: In a a way, yes. So this is funny how how life is that the kind of downturn in the burger business just coincided with the upturn in the mortgage business. So you know, one was naturally just falling to the side whilst one was kind of, was on the come up. So mentally, I knew that I had that going and I was making a bit of a reputation for myself, getting a client bank, you know, getting people knowing what I do and so on. So yeah, that worked really well. Uh, I think had it been a situation where the mortgage business wasn't doing so well and I was struggling to learn or understand, that might have been a different conversation that we're having today. Because I was doing really well at that point on the mortgages, it just felt right. You know, I I had that doing really well for myself, and I was I was making moves.
0: So there's no there was no kind of point you just I suppose lost kind of confidence in your uh, yourself, and um, you know maybe as I say because you were sort of feeling like you would let someone down that didn't really ever have a have an impact on you know a bit of a kind of crisis of confidence there was never any moments like that
1: um you know what it is i I don't like to dwell on things in Mm. in a sense of i'm quite i'm quite emotional in the moment for the five minutes things that that thing is happening i am emotional and hyper emotional but once it's done it's done you know you can't control it once it's done and then you just reflect you know figure out your response and you move on so Never lost that confidence. I think what was kind of hurting me mentally was the fact that just those that the, the long days and the, the, the what was I doing in those days? The first half of the day, great, I'm in an office doing mortgages. Second half of the day, I'm in this restaurant with no one's no one's there. But when people do turn so up, you know, I'm, I'm washing pots and pans. I'm taking complaint phone calls because they're deliberately late. Well, because a bun's soggy. Well, yeah, you've ordered a burger on delivery, your course of bun's can be soggy. You, know what I mean? but, like,
0: you really hate deliveries, don't you?
1: <laughs> honestly, it's the worst. Um, and yeah, so because of those kind of ups and downs in the very same day, mentally, what it was for wearing. Um, and, you know, I've, I'm not a person who does physical labor. I think I know what my skills are good at sales, good at marketing, good at social media, good at kind of that and customer service. Physical things, that's not my thing. So having to wash pots and pans, having to kind of do that. Yes, I do it. It's my business. Again, it's money that I put in. But doing that and then coming home half 11 in the evening to start a day at nine o'clock again, it just, it, that wore on me that's hardcore. mentally. Yeah, yeah. and I can see that if I did that for another year, another two years again and again and again, I could perhaps have just ended up as the guy, the burger guy instead of the wash guy.
0: And... How did you, I mean, you know, having, as I say, having run restaurants myself and how it it is physically and mentally draining, and then obviously you had your nine to five at the same time, what kind of stopped you essentially like burning out and kind of keeling over?
1: So I've got, I have a, I have a theory on burnout. I think burnout is real, but I think burnout is also something that you can control. So... You know you can tell when it is going to happen and also when it is happening so I think it's something you actively can take a step back and not get burnt out my work ethic is such that if I need to do something and it's going to take me this long to do it or I need to put the hours in I will do it so yeah I probably did get burnt out because it was a lot of long hours and just graft and so on but I knew it was happening, but again, I knew it was for a business that I started, um, and I put money and effort and time into it, so I couldn't just leave it.
0: So, looking back uh, at that kind of experience with you know with the burger uh, restaurant, what would you say was the biggest mistake you made?
1: I'd say one of the biggest mistakes that we've made that come into mind is just not having anything in writing around specific roles expectations even a business flat you know yeah um i know i appreciate and i took on board these guys' experience however for my own benefit and mental benefit having something in writing for me would have helped a lot just to understand you know certain key kpis and, and all this sort of stuff so i think that was definitely the main thing it's just not having anything at all we did we didn't know what we were aiming for i didn't i did not know what a good week looked like versus a bad week, you know, and I did not know the in terms of ordering cash and carry and dealing with suppliers. I did not know how much initially to how much order for to last for a week. And that took me a long time I yeah. do, but had we had stuff in writing, it'd be a lot easier. So yeah, getting things in writing. So whether it's your family or your friends or anyone, it doesn't matter if it's business, get it on paper.
0: And you also talked about the reasons earlier about uh, why they didn't want anything in writing or, you know, you said that they didn't do it uh, anywhere else. But why was it that there was no kind of business plan or, or kind of structure about, as you said, that KPIs and targets?
1: Because I, I guess it's just how they run their businesses and they know... And once you've got proof of concept, you know, to, and it works... Then why, why would you challenge it and why would you change it? So for me to go to them and say, guys, I'm not doing this unless you, you know, got a, a written business plan, they can say, well, Shaz, we've done this 10 different times before. And so it's always worked. Why are you the anomaly? So yeah, proof of concept because it's worked already is probably why they just didn't deal with it.
0: Nah. Was there any other kind of, you know, mistakes?
1: I mean, the, the whole thing with with deliveries and restaurants, I I do get it. I order deliveries to the office, for, you know, for lunch and stuff. But I do understand you need to understand your market. Um, Newport is a connector city; it's not a main city that people travel into. Now, if you start doing deliveries and give people that convenience that they're going to get the food, you know, in their house, it's it's then a massive uphill battle to get people back to your restaurant. Like I say, they'll go to the main city rather than your where you are. So that was there. I would probably slow down on deliveries. Um, and the other thing I think is, for me, I, I, I could have perhaps been a bit more clearer to the guys at the start around what I expected from them. And it goes back to having things in writing, but also just setting expectations. Look, this is what we're going to do. I am not in it for the long term. You know, this is what I see it in six months, in a year, in five years. Does this match where you're seeing it because we've just discussed the short term um and the other thing as well is i think when we started compromising on quality on ingredients on on pricing and pricing upwards that definitely hurt the business but also it did just didn't align with with my kind of values and so on
0: and you and obviously that was kind of demotivating for you
1: yeah of course because it just i didn't i felt like like a fraud basically you know serving people food that was now um under well not gourmet me anymore but also overpriced for what it what it should be or i felt it should be as i say i appreciate they've got the experience and end of this business you've got to make x margin on x cost i understand that however yeah it it made me feel like a bit of a fraud i didn't feel right serving people this food charging this amount and actually spending less on the ingredients
0: And was that, uh, the fact that they were obviously wanting to reduce cost? was that in response to the sort of downturn due to the pandemic? Or was that always the plan?
1: We will never know if that was always a plan, unfortunately, because it was never discussed. But yeah, that was something they did because of the pandemic. So once lockdown had lifted and people could go out again, and then they sort actually feel we're not coming in coming in anymore and we were making as much profit at all because of the delivery commissions. That's when the decision was made to to use cheap ice cream, to use cheaper buns, to use cheaper ingredients and, and charge more for them.
0: Mm. And obviously we we you know we've discussed sort of the low points, but I suppose on on I suppose reflection in general about your kind of career what would you say is your been your biggest or most proudest kind of uh, accomplishment or achievement
1: within this business um,
0: or with any but with just throughout your career in general really
1: I mean look achievements come and go and like I said I don't have to dwell on things um, things are going really, really well for me this year in 2023 you know we're in June and I've been on this is my 17th podcast at the top of recording got on the BBC Asian Network Radio, um, been nominated for these Awards. So things are happening, you know. My actual business only launched in August, so we're like seven, eight months old. And we're getting known and making a bit of a name. So, So I'm proud of that. It's not anything tangible, but actually brand reputation and people knowing who you are and what you do, you know, it's great. I think that is a proud thing, you know, that people come to me, and they say, we've seen you doing X or we've heard about you from X. So, half of that battle from the sales perspective is done. They know who, who you are. They want to work with you. I'm not doing any sales pitches anymore because they they want to work with me. And that, that that is a proud thing. Like I say, award nominations and all this sort of stuff is great. Um, but it's actually helping people and serving people. And, you know, touch forward the feedback from customers is great. There's been no kind of nightmares. Uh, there's been no one who's been unsatisfied or unhappy. And for me, like when people say, what's your reasons why? People say family and, and all this sort of stuff, which is you know, always the case. For me, it's just having peace of mind and being able to sleep at night, knowing that, you know, you've not wronged anyone. You don't owe anyone. You've not kind of let anyone down. So for me, having that is is the goal. And thankfully, you know, we do that every day now.
0: It sounds like you've got you know a lot to kind of be be proud of. Um, it's interesting you you said about peace of mind because obviously the big thing that came up in the uh, in the restaurant was the you were kind of worried about the integrity piece. So obviously that that would you say is that your kind of biggest core value?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, do what you say and say what you're going to do, and it's as simple as that. You know, there are things out your control, COVID lockdown out your control. It's how you react to those things that makes you who you are. And, and those are the things that people remember, you know, no one's going to remember what you've done when you are successful. They'll remember what you've done when you weren't so successful. How do you react to those tough moments? And that's such an important thing for me.
0: And in your, in your, in your current business, which obviously seems to be going, you know, really well, what, uh, sort of have you incorporated from the learnings that you had before, you know, with the restaurant, um, in your new business?
1: great question. So one of the things that I definitely incorporate is that in any business going forward is I want to be able to do every single role within that business. So it doesn't mean I will do the roles but I want to be able to have the knowledge the skills to do it. So for example in, in the restaurant I was front of house, I was cooking the burgers, I was doing the pots and pans way more than I should. Um, you know, I was doing everything. What that meant was really in a practical level is if I ever had to put pressure on someone business and they got frustrated and they, they just turned around and said well you do it and actually I can because I, I know how to do it for example and then it's the same with transferring that, let's say to the mortgage business you have mortgage brokers and who does the sales which is what I do then you've got your mortgage administrator who actually does a lot more than I do in all through the journey I want to be able to do the admin it's tedious I don't like it it's it just not everyone likes doing it but I can do it and I have done it and it means I know that journey end to end. So I know the challenges my admin staff are having. So I can be more empathetic and I can actually hopefully help them improve their processes and the same works for me.
0: So why is that learning from, you know, the the burger um, situation?
1: Because as I said, I thought that the burger would be me, you know, perhaps taking some orders, being in front of the house, being all happy chappy, and then just sitting in the office doing nothing for the rest of my days. But it wasn't that, I had to be hands on the ground doing some hard graft. And that was a slight shock, but it is because we didn't discuss anything. We didn't have anything in writing around the rules as we go back to it again. So that was a learning level. Um, being able to have the knowledge of doing the rules just gives you that sense of empathy for, for your team eventually.
0: And do you have any, um, kind of current partners in your, um, your, your business?
1: Well, so just me, um, just me, no outside funding, no investors, it's just myself, my small team. You know, we're basically a startup. Think of like Facebook when they first opened, we're the Facebook of mortgage brokerages.
0: Okay. So obviously you haven't had to come up with any partnership agreements, which obviously, you know, were kind of, I suppose, lacking in your, in in, in sort of the burger and restaurant.
1: No, 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 we... The, to be fair, this, this business initially, anyway, the, the mortgage business has been propped up a lot by my personal branding efforts on social media, which is great, um, but there is definitely a massive drawback to that. So it's great because, like I said, people want to work with me. They really want to work with Shaz because they've seen Shaz, you know, West Shaz, all this stuff. It's great. I really appreciate it. But where that becomes a problem is scaling because I'm only one person. I'm only got so much capacity. And eventually, once I get a team of brokers, people still want to work with me and that's the issue is that to get that to be a scaled business the business has to be the brand not always just just me and that that's something i'm working on as well
0: and that's similar to you know when you were in the restaurant as well wasn't it because essentially you were trying to run that restaurant and you were trying to be a broker at the same time and why do you think there's a i, I don't know if that's a pattern is it because i understand that yeah when you're starting a business you have to build your brand but what are you kind of looking to uh, i suppose sort of change
1: so what what i'll be doing is so is essentially having the business be its own deal entity with its own social media team running its own posts i don't you know having its own voice and tone on social media having its own content okay if you want to see videos i do not want to be in any of the videos that are from the business company you know I want it to be self-sufficient and run itself. I just happen to be involved at the top level of that business. This will come in time. This is more of a five five year yeah. kind of thing. But that is what I'll be doing is implementing the fact that this business does this. This is where we help. These is kind of some case studies. And yeah, this guy Shaz, he happens to be part of the business, but he is not the only person in that business.
0: And is there anything else from, you know, everything that you've kind of achieved with, you know, your new business that you kind of link back to you know that that kind of setback that you've had previously
1: yeah i think one thing i've been guilty of in the past um and i'm learning to get better now is just not celebrating some of the small wins small wins and big wins you know i think this is one of those cheesy things being humble is great but you have to also acknowledge when you're doing good things and big things or when you're getting good feedback, and not play off, or not be self-deprecating, or not make a joke about it, because if you do not take yourself seriously, no one else will. Why should they?
0: So why is that being a particularly um, kind of big learning or uh, big kind of response to that that setback? Why so, uh, was that something you didn't do at the time?
1: No, this is what I mean. So we didn't do it in the burger restaurant. So we we won a, we won an award in the Voice Magazine Best Burger Restaurant of whatever year it was. We won the award. We didn't use. We did not publicize it because I was like, I don't really want to take a picture. I don't really want to put the poster on the wall. We don't want to be showing off about it. You know, it, it's fine.
0: Um, you didn't mention it at all.
1: No, we didn't mention it at all. Wow, came out in the magazine that got p- wow. p- printed, but that was it. Then we won another award, you know, and this was, I think, it's the situation's best hospitality in, in South Wales. And that's quite a big thing, thinking back. Looking back, that's quite a big thing. It was, it was actually a vote as well. And again, we were like, yeah, we just really want to go on about it. I don't want to go on about it. I don't want to become like a show-off person. It gets annoying. People might think we kind of just get too big for our boots and so on and so forth. And what I learned from that, like I said, is if you don't shout about your wins, no one else will. Um, And those wins are the ones that could have, I don't know, if we had publicized the awards, we could have had people coming to the restaurant because they've seen this place is, is the, the GMIs is your business in a way.
0: Yeah, I think in in terms of like those awards, you know, there's a lot of companies out there as part of their marketing strategy chase awards in order to get the the marketing boost from from them um it's funny that you were just like you didn't want to you know i suppose you were humble again like you said earlier that you kind of like oh, you didn't want to you want to mention that do You think that's a, do You think that's a mistake was that something you would have done differently now
1: yeah i mean look, it's i think part it's part of being humble but also a part of it is me just standing in my own way i needed to get over myself and any insecurities that i've got and realize from a business perspective it makes sense to publicize the world you know what a stupid thing not to do that um so you know, I, I and in in the mortgage business now, uh, I'm push yourself up for every award, and I wish you could buy awards. I hear all the time you could buy an award. It's definitely not the case, or at least not in my experience. You know, I had to do so many submissions, testimonials, case studies, examples, and attachments. And not one have I <laughs> have ever asked to buy an award, but um, but but now if you go on my Instagram, I will post about everything I'm nominated for. I will you know thank everyone or be, be grateful, and I've realised you can be. As long as you're being genuine and authentic, you know, talking about your achievements is not a bad thing. And it took me a while to learn that.
0: That's interesting. So, is that something that you've learned or taken from that experience, and and sort of changed in in yourself? Um, is there any and and maybe say yes. a little bit more about that? I mean, you said you know you've you've learned to sort of get out your own way. Maybe so. Maybe you can say a little bit more about that
1: yes so I mean not to segue too much but um I think this was definitely a learning but not from the burger restaurant this was from when I was an employed broker and for the f- for the first 12 months I'll be honest I didn't know, I was not great because I didn't know the language I didn't know what a HMO was I wasn't dealing with investors before at Barclays this was a specialist finances completely different it's while you know while I went for I didn't know I was not great but towards the end I was getting really good because I am good at networking, I am good at sales, and I was learning really, really quickly. And then I got sacked unceremoniously, um, you know, under a big cloud and it happened. Getting sacked was from a from a personal perspective for me was a big game changer because it made me realize that no matter how well you perform, you are just a staff member. Um and you have to I had to kind of create my own economy and certainty and I was enjoying what i was doing so i didn't it just didn't make sense why i was not in that business anymore so i realized and i again this is one of those things i've not really spoken about before that i have very few chips on my shoulder but one of them definitely is the fact that i was let go from this company without a valid reason so now because it's we're all local it's quite a small industry everyone knows everyone so now when i am achieving things when i am getting kind of um feedback and awards and and all the rest of it i want to shout about it because i know that i know people are watching and i know that it'll make them feel a certain way so i think for a personal level this chip on my shoulder that i'm trying to prove something to to people but nothing wrong with having a chip it's how you use it and how you use that fuel to, to make yourself better
0: Yeah, so, I mean, uh, you know, we could obviously dive into dive into that. I mean, um, uh, did that knock, you know, did that set back, you know, when you were uh, fired? did How did that feel at the time? Was that a kind of huge sort of knock to your confidence?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because, again, I was getting good. Um, I was doing the numbers on the board. I was doing everything I needed to do. So when I got sacked, I remember, you know, sitting in my car in the car park and just literally just thinking, I wasn't. I wasn't crying, but I was thinking like, what has just happened? How am I going to explain this to my family? Because I don't understand it myself. What do I do? What am I going to do next? Like I say, I've always said, the, my kind of worst scenarios go back to my parents and that's fine. always happen, but they don't really want to do. So suddenly I lost that stable income. The business wasn't doing well at the time. What am I going to do next? And that was a knock to the confidence, but it also gave me something to prove because I knew I was doing all the right things. And I knew that if someone could just help me, move me to the next level, open up some more doors, I would get to where I needed to be, and, and here we are.
0: And what was the, the catalyst there to you kind of being able to, I suppose, come back from the, from that setback?
1: I'm very grateful that I, um, I kind of ended up working with, I guess i would call him my mentor. So he was the head of this company he took me on as a self-employed broker. And I remember asking him, saying, look, yes, I'm self-employed. But, you know, for the first few months, I'm going to get no money. Do you want to give me a retainer? Give me a £1,000 a month and I'll pay you back. And he said, yeah, I could do that, but I'm not going to. Because if I gave you a retainer, you just won't be as hungry as, as you could be. At the time, I was like, oh, you God, okay, great. But that's the best thing you know, he could have done. Because, yes, I was definitely more hungry. I was going to every single mortgage event, networking event. I was everywhere on social media. And that's how this whole went thing kind of started. So getting myself a, a good mentor who opened up loads of more doors for me, give me the platform to be where I need to be. But it's, it's one of those things because to give myself credit, I took those opportunities. You, know, you could give those same opportunities to someone else and they would do nothing with it. I took them, you know, and ran with it and, you know, made, made a business and here we are.
0: So you've been through a lot of, uh, you know, uh, sort of, setbacks how do you kind of maintain a, a, a kind of positive like mindset when you're dealing with those kind of um yeah challenges
1: I don't I don't um <laughs> no I do so like I say I I definitely am very reactive in the moment so when things are going on I am guilty of just either isolating myself in this room that I'm in right now or kind of in my own private space and just kind of getting very emotional about it but once that's done and stand on my system, and then it's a case of look, what can I control? What's it what can I control? What actually happened? Is it reasonable? And it's never a case of whose fault is it? It's just a case of what needs to happen for this now to work better or be back in a place where it was before. Um so yeah, I'm big on I am quite big on not playing the blame game and also big on solutions. So even in the business, if if any of the admin team have got a problem. The first question i ask them when to come to me is "And what have you tried before you've come to me because you haven't tried anything and go back and try something um it's a great question so yeah being yeah being solutions based and I'm, I'm also very practical so it's the case of look if this is what it is and this is what it is and you know, let's deal with it and maneuver around it or through it or you know let's work with what we've got so yeah being practical um giving yourself time to be emotional but i think If you, I've been guilty in the past of letting things kind of build up in my head, so letting things slide as it were, but I don't let them slide. Eventually it all comes out at once and that's just the worst thing to happen, right? Um, So yeah, giving yourself time to react and be emotional and then getting back to a state of calm and dealing with what's going on and also just being around the right people. So, you know, my friends who've known me a long long time, they're all in business, (laughs) they're all in the restaurant business as well actually funny enough um <laughs> and obviously a lot of the property investors who i've worked with are now our class friends and the conversations we have are all elevating conversations you know they're not there are conversations about love island or x on the beach or whatever they're all conversations about business and how to improve and who to listen to and content and so on so getting stuff around the right people it, it does rub off
0: Yeah, some, some great uh some great sort of um advice there so what advice would you give to new entrepreneurs about how to handle the fear of failure uh
1: don't work with your family first of all that's my advice. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> no, no no so the fear of failure um
0: because from... you didn't have it we discussed it earlier so i mean you didn't have it yeah
1: so. and that's it but, but i think it is be practical about it what is literally the worst that could happen you know And uh, again, maybe I'm fortunate to be from a certain culture where staying with your parents past age 30 is acceptable. Uh, I know it's not practical for everyone else. But first of all, yeah, work out what is literally, genuinely the worst case scenario. Do you lose money? And if it is just money, money comes and goes. Honestly, money is is never a motivator because it comes and goes. What is the worst case scenario in terms of fear of failure? And I've said this to a few people, actually, in different scenarios is... Try and get a proof of concept in the sense of, and I'm just going to use networking as an example, or let's use social media actually, social media, right? I don't want to post videos. I'm scared of showing my face. I don't want to do this. I'm really shy, but I need clients. Okay. I understand you're very shy, but just do one video, right? Because what's the worst that could happen? No one watches it. Well, then no one watches it, right? But do one video. When you get the results off the back of that video, you've got proof of concept that it works. Once you've got that proof of concept, why would you not do it again? So I think... failure is, only going to happen if you... If you don't try. You know, you need to try it at first and see what happens, I think.
0: You mean it's kind of a bigger failure from not actually doing anything?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... Inaction is the worst thing that you could be doing or not doing, as it were.
0: And have you got any, like advice for listeners who might have experienced a significant setback within their business recently?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, look, with the mortgage business, you know, we've had the budget from this trust. I I set the business in October. Then in September, this whole thing happened. And we essentially lost like two thirds of our turnover. But but these things happen. But um, the advice would be, first of all, keep going. Don't panic. Secondly, Control the controllables. And if you need to then make cuts somewhere, so do you need your staff to work less hours? Do you need to save money somewhere else? Do that. Because at the end of the day, all businesses need cash flow to survive, right? Um, Have a business plan. Have your KPIs. Have these things that you can monitor and manage. Because if you don't monitor and manage it, you're going to be aimlessly going anywhere. And you like I said before, with the burger shop, you don't know what a good week is versus a bad week. So if you don't know what that is, then how do you know it's going on or
0: no, not? That's brilliant. Um, so the question that we always end with um, is: If you could go back in time and erase that failure from happening, would you do that?
1: Absolutely not.
0: And why not? Um,
1: because I did enjoy most of my time there. Um, I did pick up some lessons that, that we've shared here, and it's definitely been a story I could tell people and and it's an an experience you know would I ever do a food business again probably not would I ever go into a business with two other people again probably not but all those things I've been able to take and learn and work off and build foundations for my next business and my next business to my next business
0: brilliant so we end on a quick fire round so I've got just a few short questions and yeah um, uh, I suppose answer them with a as long or short sure an answer as you want. So, question one failure is?
1: Failure is when you stop trying.
0: What is your life's mission?
1: To help as many people as possible.
0: What's one piece of advice that you would want to give on your own deathbed?
1: Uh, believe in yourself and take action.
0: Nice. What's one habit that keeps you resilient?
1: Consuming the right content and being around the right people.
0: If you could be immortal, would you take it? No. Why is that?
1: Because you then have essentially nothing to aim for. You know, I think mortality is important because... You need to have that end. To, you know, you, we all know life is not infinite. I could get older and older. But I think if you were immortal, eventually you'd get bored.
0: That's where looking at it. What's one surprising fact that not many people know about you?
1: Well, it used to be that I used to go to a burger restaurant, but that's <laughs> not the case anymore for that. When I was, when I was 13, I was on BBC radio of Wales on children in Need day, and I was there to sing Bollywood music because that was a thing I used to do when I was young but not anymore this is I'm not gonna sing
0: wow I'm not I'm not gonna force you to sing uh Bollywood on this and is there one person that you could recommend that you think I should uh, interview on this podcast uh
1: yes uh Adam Adam Rana from the Midlands he does service accommodation in Dubai and in Birmingham
0: brilliant and where can um, people find you and connect with you?
1: Well, the question is on everyone's lips. It's uh, where's Shaz, which is a W-H-E-R-E-S-S-H-A-Z, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and LinkedIn.
0: And as I said at the beginning, uh, offline, you're, you're literally everywhere. So, um, yeah, it won't be difficult <laughs> to, to find you um shaz thanks so much for for being here for all of the 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 honesty and the, you know uh, you said that this is the sort of first time you've kind of discussed this and that's um kind of uh, amazing and um i really appreciate you bringing that story um to here and i know a lot of people will get a lot of benefit from this so um you're definitely achieving your your mission um uh, from being here so yeah thanks very much
1: no worries thanks for having me take care
0: thank you for listening to beyond the fail really hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new. Please do subscribe to the show and leave us a review. It really does help us to grow and to reach more people. Do follow us on social media too. We're at Jezwood on Instagram and at BeyondTheFail on YouTube and also on Linktree. Thanks again and see you soon.